James, welcome to Beyond Consulting. Before we jump in and talk through your career, let me just introduce you here so our audience knows who we're speaking with. So James Harris is the Director of Strategy and Success at AHA, and he is a former consultant at both Strategy and, the Engagement Manager at Strategy and. Then James, after that, you spent some time at PwC. I'm excited to talk through all of that. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. So James, walk us through your story of starting in consulting and then ending up at AHA. Absolutely. So I studied economics at Cornell University, and I originally applied for an internship position at Booz & Company, which was a spin out of Booz Allen Hamilton in the early 2000s and subsequently was acquired by PwC. So I applied for an internship in the field of consulting out of their Chicago office. I'm from Detroit. Back in the day, a lot of Detroiters would migrate to the great city of Chicago, less so now. But I won an internship with the firm after my junior year at Cornell out of Chicago. And a matter of weeks prior to the start of that internship, I got a call from HR that said, we cannot staff engagements quickly enough in the Middle East. Demand for talent is just soaring. So are you interested in spending a summer abroad instead? And so I jumped at the opportunity and wound up for three months in 2009 working for the government of Abu Dhabi, bringing municipal services online for the first time. What we referred to at the time as an e-government modernization initiative. And so that experience acquainted me with obviously the field of consulting, a new culture, a great network. I just fell in love with the work and was lucky enough to be offered a full-time position based in the Middle East. And so after graduation in 2010, I up and moved to Dubai, where I enjoyed two years in the field. I was part of the digital business and technology group in Dubai, working for both public and private sector entities really across the region. I spent a good amount of time in Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, Qatar, Lebanon, and of course the UAE as well. So I was there for two years in all and just a really transformational experience, certainly for me professionally, but also at a personal level. And then I sort of started to miss home a little bit. You know, I got three younger brothers that were all still based in Detroit. And so working till two o'clock in the morning and laying your head down at a Marriott in the middle of a Saudi Arabian desert is not all that comforting when you're, you know, in your early twenties. And so I was ready to come back and the firm was gracious enough to grant me a transfer to the Chicago office so I could be closer to home. That's where I continued my work in the field. And, you know, at that point in my career was growing, you know, a little bit tired of the travel and the grind. And so I knew I was yearning for something else, but I didn't know what that something else was. And that's why business school, I think, made sense for me at the time. And I was drawn to Chicago Booth, mostly because of the focus on entrepreneurship and finance, two areas that really resonated at the time. And so I applied to Booth, was lucky enough to win a place there. And that really accelerated my path to AHA, really. Over those two years at Booth, I had the privilege to work for a couple of different venture firms in the Midwest, firstly with LightBank out of Chicago. That's from Brad Kewell and Eric Lovkowski, founders of Groupon. 
And then I also spent summered with Detroit Venture Partners in my hometown, which is Dan Gilbert's venture arm. And those experiences were really transformational for me because it taught me two things, I would say. Number one is my deep passion for the world of professional investing. I definitely want to end my career there. But it also taught me that if you look at tier one VCs globally, there's one common denominator, and that's that most general partners have walked the walk. They've built product. They've solved real problems. They've developed that founder empathy and that customer empathy. And so that's ultimately what drove me to, aha, the opportunity and the privilege to work for and learn from Brian DeHoff and Chris Waters, Silicon Valley veterans that have built and scaled multiple businesses in the past. And that's where I've been for the last three years. And the experience has just been phenomenal. So I know the going to business school was a pivot in your career, and you certainly have changed trajectory there a little bit since then. Do you leverage any of your consulting toolkit in your current role? Oh, absolutely. I think the biggest value of the consulting skill set, certainly at a junior level, is teaching you how to break down a problem, no matter how foreign that problem may be. If you've never seen it before, you don't have a lot of context behind the problem. The ability to size the issue and break it down into constituent parts is a skill set that uh, has translated really well for me, both you know in academia, but also you know in my current role in the world of growth stage enterprise software. Tell us more about AHA. I'd love to understand what you'll invest in and what your role is at the company specifically. Yeah, so AHA was founded in 2013 by Brian and Chris. And the first product that we built was AHA Roadmaps, which is strategy and planning software to support product teams in defining at a 30,000 foot level the strategy and the vision for a new product, the market competitors, different personas that the product will address, and then thread that strategy down into the day-to-day work that needs to be done at a feature level or an epic level. So you define strategy, define the goals, the measurable goals that you need to achieve to realize that vision. And our software enables teams efficiently to thread that down into the work that's happening on a day-to-day basis and then effectively visualize that in a multitude of ways. So traditionally, you know, I think the core problem that AHA Roadmap solves is traditionally product teams are working in spreadsheets or PowerPoint presentations to develop a roadmap and communicate that roadmap either to the team or externally to different stakeholder groups, the board, venture investors, and so forth. But in the world of product development, priorities shift and change on a day-to-day basis, sometimes even hourly. And the overhead associated with maintaining a current roadmap is painful. And our software automates, or our core product, AHA Roadmaps, automates all of that and plugs into third-party development tools so the product team can stay focused on prioritizing the work that needs to get done and how it maps back to the strategy. And we can push that work into a JIRA. You know, we also have AHA development tool as soon as it's ready for consumption by the engineering team. And that speaks a little bit to kind of our core product. From a company perspective, I've really appreciated the non-traditional nature that Brian and Chris have scaled the company. We didn't take any outside funding and we put people and profits 
before anything. And that has led to phenomenal product-led growth for the organization. And we're able to navigate difficult times like the current macro climate, more grounded in identifying new opportunity than worrying about cutting costs and so forth. I know that AHA kind of at its core is a product, right? But you're doing a ton of different things with that product. Who are you primarily helping, I guess? Who are your customers? We serve product development teams and product development is broad. We are industry vertical agnostic. We serve anybody from a technology company through to consumer products. If you are building a product, hardware, software, our software supports the product development team in staying aligned again around that strategy and vision and focused on the work that matters. So our addressable market is really quite broad, but we are focused predominantly on, again, the product development arm of any organization. In all of this, what do you find you spend most of your time working on? The great part about my job is no day is the same. So I've largely played a chief of staff role since I joined the organization. I work directly for Brian, our co-founder and CEO, and I've spent time supporting Brian in everything from standing up our channel partner program through to most recently standing up a new growth team focused on the customer acquisition journey. You know, every day is really different for me. Sometimes I find myself knee deep in new feature definition, improving the early experience across our product suite through to a lot more, you know, the way in which we maximize value exchange with our customers through the customer success organization and so forth. So a really broad mandate that for me changes quite a bit in line with the priorities of the business. Did you work on any... SaaS projects or do any product work while you were a consultant? Yeah, that's a great question. So my first foray into the world of product management was at PwC after Booz & Company was acquired in 2014. I was away at business school at the time. I came back to a different organization. Thankfully, they honored my MBA sponsorship under the new ownership. So I came back for two years and quickly after I returned, PwC launched their new ventures business, the mandate being we want to commercialize software and establish software product as a net new revenue stream for the company. And so I had an opportunity to participate in the formation of that business unit, but also launch one of the first software products out of PwC. It was called Boarding Pass, and it was a new hire onboarding automation software that we commercialized. So that was my first foray into product management. And I absolutely fell in love with the work, but I got to a stage where, you know, thinking to myself, I kind of want to try this out in the wild. I think building software inside of a, an audit behemoth is really quite different than building software as an early to growth stage business. And I think my transition to AHA has validated that hypothesis fully. It sounds like in your early career, there were a few different opportunities for you to maybe leave consulting, right? Whenever you were overseas, coming back, probably the thought crossed your mind, hey, should I stick in consulting or is this a good time to look for another role? Because I think you're right at the two-year mark there, which is a, an important milestone in a consultant's career. And then after business school, I expect, as you mentioned, there was an opportunity for them to sponsor your MBA program. Uh, but I guess that, that was probably another point when you're thinking about other opportunities as well. I guess all of this is to ask, 
what kept you in consulting for so long? And then what was it that made you finally think, hey, maybe I should take a run at industry? It's a great question. I think what kept me in consulting so long was the return on investment of my time at a personal level. I was building net new skills, the diversity of the work, the different problems that I was asked to look at and help clients solve for was really diverse. And so that represented for me, personal growth opportunity. And I'll add to that, getting to the engagement manager level. I was always told in my consulting career, the hardest role to play in this field is engagement manager because you're managing upward internally, you're managing the partners and the senior directors, you're managing the team, and then you're managing the client all at once. And so I had a profound drive and yearning to get to that level and to experience it, to lead teams. So that's what kept me in it. What drove me out of it was sort of the acknowledgement that the ROI was diminishing for me at a personal level. After you build those skills, the ROI diminishes because as you get more senior, you start to grow into a more traditional sales role. If you're a partner at a consulting firm, sales is your number one priority. Meeting that quota year in, year out, that didn't excite me. And so that's when I wanted to move closer to getting my hands dirty in an operating role, getting closer to product, because it felt to me more like a meritocracy. The feedback loop, I think, is a little bit more pure. You know, if the product isn't good, the market's going to tell you, for example. And so that's really what drove me out, a desire to take really emotional ownership around outcomes. That's great. That was a really well, uh, very thoughtful answer. I appreciate that. But James, as a director in a strategy position inside of a growing organization, I imagine you think about hiring for at least part of your day and building teams. Whenever you think about adding to your team, are you ever considering management consultants? That's a great question. Right now for AHA, I would say no. You know, I think we run the company in a very efficient way. I don't see a world where we would, you know, start to broaden a team around strategy because we are so committed to execution all the way up to leadership day to day. We are very committed to doing. And so the saying goes, a strategy is only ever as good as its execution. And so I don't know that we'd hire for more thinkers. You know, we would hire for more consultants that can demonstrably marry strategic thinking with execution. And I think that that's becoming more commonplace today. When you look at client services in general, clients are demanding tangible outcome, not strategy decks anymore. And so I think we certainly wouldn't be opposed, but I wouldn't say we're actively targeting the strategy consulting audience today. That's a good point. I think that you're right about companies out there getting excited about the pedigree and the ability for consultants to be thought partners, but there needs to be some evidence that those folks can act on the ideas that they have. Do you have any advice for consultants looking to move into industry that want to be able to show that they can execute? I do. I do. I think my advice to any consultants considering a departure in the near to medium term would be get closer to the real work. When I returned to PwC after graduating from Booth, we had a go-to-market platform called Fit for Growth. And Fit for Growth is really just a sexy way of saying cost takeout cost cutting. And it's really boring work. 
You're sifting through vendor contracts to see if there's leverage. You're looking at the budget for peripherals to see if you can take costs out there. I mean, you're looking in every nook and cranny. It's really boring work. But the reality is for clients, it's hugely impactful and beneficial. And so I would urge consultants to stay out of the sexy strategy definition, pie in the sky vision oriented engagements and get closer to, you know, roll up your sleeves, get your hands dirty, because that's going to translate really well to almost any operating role that a consultant jumps into. And you started your consulting career overseas. Do you think that that at the end of the day was very beneficial and that consultants early in their career should track down some of those projects? Or do you think that it doesn't really matter, just chase down whatever projects you find interesting, whether it's overseas or in the U.S.? I think knowledge of global markets is valuable in any role. And so my travels certainly instilled in me a deeper sense of empathy for different cultures, a deeper sense of empathy around how problems manifest in different parts of the world. So it's tough to draw a tangible conclusion to those experiences, but I wouldn't change it for the world. And I would recommend anybody that has an opportunity to challenge themselves to move somewhere that's uncomfortable. That is as much a professional benefit as it is a personal. So I definitely think there's value there. Yes. And I know I've been picking your brain for advice for consultants here for the past few questions, James, but before we wrap up, is there anything else that you can leave our audience with? Yeah, I think I'm sort of plagiarizing a little bit, but one of my favorite public speeches I've ever heard was when Steve Jobs addressed the Stanford graduating class. And he said, stop trying to connect the dots moving forward, roll up your sleeves, work hard. And trust me in that you'll be able to look back and connect the dots, just like I have in sharing my personal experiences with you today. And so I would urge anybody within and outside of consulting to really embrace that, have faith in yourself, stay focused on value creation. I think be humble. And my favorite virtue is empathy. Stay empathetic to your clients, to your colleagues, and to the problem at hand. And I think that you'll find success. Excellent. Well, I appreciate that, James. And thanks so much for joining us on Beyond Consulting. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. 